Oi, oi, episode two. 2022, episode two, season three. <laughs> Happy New Year! Happy New Year to you! Did you have a good New Year? Oh, honestly, I can't even tell you how good it was. That's why you look so rough. <laughs> Happy New Year! Bottles of stir. Did you used to say that? Did you used to do stir? Yeah, first button. Please, can I have my Christmas gift? <laughs> what is what it? Are you Did you used to do that thing where your first foot, where you're like the first person to you go into the house? New year in. Yeah, you let the, you don't let the new year. The new year's. Yeah, but you like let the first foot in. The guy who or whoever used to be like kids with coal, and you would give them money. <laughs> like first footing is a thing. I don't think you call that person a new year. Though. No, they are the person letting the new year in, and you want that to be a particular person that'll dictate if you're gonna have a good new year or not. Yeah, yeah, but it's called first footing, isn't it? Is it? Do you say let the new year in? Yeah, it's yeah. first first footing. Oh, and right, it's oh a... no, everyone around the table agrees with me. Um, right, well, I'm gonna Google it. Okay, first footing or the first foot in the house after midnight. To ensure a good look for the house, the first foot should be a dark-haired male. Oi, oi. And he should bring with him symbolic pieces of coal, shortbread, salt, a black bun, and a wee dram of whiskey. Oh, hello, first foot. What do first footers say? Despite its creation. <laughs> there is like a poem, right, first footing. Anyway, and he used to say, Happy New Year, bottles of stir. <laughs> Bottles of stir. What is even bottle of stir? That just like doesn't exist. <laughs> I've never heard of that. No, nobody has Glenn, including the internet, interestingly. <laughs> you know. And it's quite not as fun as the internet. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite a few things. Happy New Year, bottles of stir. Please can I have my Christmas cake? <laughs> <laughs> Hey guys, sorry, I'm away. It's, I'm, I'm, it's a bit that I'm getting wrong. Oh no, for you let me, Mum used to send it out for money. Oh. <laughs> I was like, I was just that cute child that was playing. Please, can I have your cash? Oh. oh, well, I've learned something about myself today, so that's interesting. Anyway, Happy New Year. Did you have a nice time? <laughs> Drinking bottles of stir. Right, okay, so that was educational for all, I believe. <laughs> so there we go. Um, do you know what I read a really interesting fact? We'd said that babies who were born this year in 2022, they'll live around 90 years, which means they'll live into the next century, which is... After 21st? 22nd? <laughs> nice, nice, smooth. Didn't have to think about that. Why are you still counting <laughs> How can you not do this? Because no one's thinking, um, like 20th century fox. Is it so Was that a discussion it's that we had? It's called 21st century fox. Is it called 21st century? Well done. Oh, so will they have to rebrand? They did have to rebrand, yes. But will they have to again for 22nd century yes. fox? Yes. Doesn't roll off the top. I wonder if someone's bought the domain. 20th Don't try <laughs> the domain. <laughs> One, two, three, then. Buy a domain. Um, have you made any resolutions? Is it to buy domain names up? 22nd century. Um, and do you know what's interesting? 20% of boys and 26% of girls born this year, so 2022, are expected to reach 100 years old. Do you think you'll reach 100? No, 92. Still? Yeah, you're still yeah. sticking with 92? Oh, yeah. Has nothing changed? Um, no, but we were talking about this, weren't we? So there's um, a concept of being a time billionaire. Mm -hmm. So if you're aged under 47... Which we are. Based on the average life expectancy for us when we were born, not the people born this year, I think there's like maybe 76, 77. Yeah, suckers, I'm a 92er. <laughs> Just saying. 
that would mean that you have more than a billion seconds of time left. So you're a, a time billionaire of your life. I've wasted most of it listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> and the concept that they came up with was Warren Buffett, who is a billionaire, but if you said Do you to... think he likes finger food? <laughs> <laughs> like little sausages and that. <laughs> hey, sorry, go on. I bet he doesn't like finger food. So Warren Buffett, who's a billionaire but in his 90s, he said to most 20-year-olds, um, you could be a billionaire, but you'd also have to be in your 90s. Mm. They wouldn't take it. And it just shows the value of time over money. Like, it's yeah. more important. Like, actually, you can't buy that, can you? Yeah. But, yeah. I feel like it's good. Do you think, you know, when you plan to die at 92, yeah. do you think you're going to die, like, at a... Um, I would like to be, OK, I'm 92. And I'll go for, like, 92 and 360 days. Like, I might as well get the most of the year. All oh, right, OK, yeah. Um, and I'm still going out and meet my friend, Joe. Uh, don't go, oh, like I'm already dead, I'm not dead. Uh, when I'm 92 and 360 days. I might be 90, yes, I'll be 95. Oh, if you're yeah. going to be 92, can I not be 95? Sure can. So I'll be going out, meet my friend Joe, you know, still going out and drinking gin and tonic. Out so you'll be bottles. like a 26 year old until you're 92. Um, we'll probably have rum and coke rather than gin and tonic. Yeah. And then I'll have a little bit too much one afternoon and then go for a little lie down and just not wake up. Oh. I know, that's but what sad. a way to go. Um, a mortgage lender is offering fixed interest rates for 40 years as it tries to exploit growing public insecurity about the cost of living, but borrowers could pay tens of thousands of pounds if they then try and break the deal. So that if you put down a 40% deposit, you can fix it at 3.34% for 40 years. Do you think you would do that? No. Oh, why? I'm far, far too fickle and I know for a fact that what I'm doing now is not what I want to do in 40 years. If it's not portable, what if I wanted to sell off at some point? 40 years is a long time. When I drilled into it, the article was a bit unclear as to how portable it is. It kind of said it was, but then mm. it wasn't. And portable some just meaning that you can it, take it yeah. to a different house. Yeah. But like that certainty of not faffing on with your mortgage yeah, rates. renewals and all that 40 kind years. of stuff. Yeah. But also, if you're going to live until you're 100, like maybe people do want that level of certainty. And we do talk about long-term planning. And If you thought, right, this is my forever home and I'm never going to move, and, you know, I think 3% is fine, then, yeah, look at him, why the hell not? But not for me. I think, what if it goes down, I'd be furious. Yeah. Would you want to live until you're 100? Um, it depends. Would I want to live till I'm 100? I just feel like there must be, you must have a good birthday party for 100. Get a letter from the yeah. Queen, who, you know, probably won't be around by the time we're 100. And I think you'll just get a text by them. I feel like if I was 100, I would just, I would wear it like a tiara and just sit in it all day long. Um, you did that when you were 30. Yeah. <laughs> That's a big difference. Um, it's difficult, isn't it? And it's the cost of living as well. You know, you Oh my on. God, I'm sorry, but how much will Fred Rose be by the time we're in our 90s? I know. We maybe have to share one on your birthday only. That'll be it. That'll be what we can do for your 100. Share a Fred Rose, by then it'll be like £10,000. If you're sharing a Fred Rose, would you want the head on? The <laughs> Obviously, the body's larger than the head, although the head is the heaviest part of the body, but I don't feel like Fredos are anatomically correct. Oh, I bet annuities make a comeback. You will. The longer you live, and that's the thing with an annuity, like it's just set and that's it, and it's the insurance company's problem if you live for 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 years. The risk that they take, isn't it? Yeah. It's just going to be really loud. Um, we're having a bit of an enrichment session outside, aren't they, with the making um, macrame just outside the door in case anybody hears any wool. Um, any, any rope oh, you know noises. Wall. Oh. <laughs> so an annuity is one option, but basically if we're going to live until we're old, and if these young'uns getting born in this year are going to live until they're 100... Like, it's a long do, time, isn't it? We do preach a lot about putting money into a pension, and you should, um, but it might be that you need a little bit more, you need a bit of a side hustle, like not a working side hustle, a pension side hustle, something to top up your income. Yeah. At the minute, say, for example, people are retiring on average at age 60. Yeah. 
40 years. 40 it's years. A long, it's almost as long as you've been alive. Yeah, um, as long as you worked. Uh, How else can you top up your income then in retirement? Christmas hit, one option. Well, do you know what? We've Christmas. got a good few months ahead of us. So you write one ahead of Christmas 2022. So let's do it, get it on the market, make it really popular. We'll give it a few years because it needs to build up. You know, people need yeah. to associate it with times of Christmas past. But your pension, it'll fund our run when we're in our um, 90s. Great idea. Thanks. Just one tiny, tiny snag. Uh -huh. um, we can sing and or play instruments and or write music. What other options would there be for having um, an income when you're um, old? Lollipop man. Like, it's good. Get you out the, out the house in the morning, a bit on the afternoon. You don't have to do much. Get to, you know, have a bit crack and Yeah. Not hard, is it? Not, not. Collecting trolleys around us. Like, anything. Just do something. I think you should keep your mind active and you should keep your body active and um, you need some routine. Um, did you see this thing where you can become a friend for hire so you can actually, like, oh. people can hire a friend? Um, is that not? No platonic friend. All oh, right. Yeah, no benefits. No. You know, other than, like... No, I haven't heard of that. What I have heard of, you know, like if you don't have many people at your funeral, you can hire like a, a whaler, like not Bob Marley, and they come and they wear black and they'll wear a veil and they'll just cry, and, which really is sad. a great job. Well, it's a great job though. Is it? Yeah, you get a bit buffy afterwards. You get a bit. What else? So, Christmas song, what else could you do now? Easter song. Nobody's done an Easter song. Nobody's yet. done an Easter thing. song. Do you know what? Halloween, all these holidays are getting bigger and bigger yeah, because yeah. of Americanism. Yeah. So need to start writing seasonal songs. Well, what I'm thinking is, what can we do now? We'll put the effort in, so it'll just give us a, a stipend <laughs> for like Ooh. when we're old. And then we just need that income coming in. What if you wrote and published a book, a really successful book? It's a good one. It's good like royalties, you need something that's going to give you royalties. Right, okay. So your options are books, yep. songs, yep. films, that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah, I feel like Leo DiCaprio or somebody took like five grand for Titanic and then just took like a back end of... Oh, really? You get front end and back end deals with movies, whether you want to take it from the box office or from the upfront. So what do I think I could do for royalties? Can't you get recurring passive income? You could invent fun. something, that's always oh, a good yes. one. If you invent something that that's you good need. good one, patent it. You could buy the 22nd century Fox domain, sell it back to them. Every Secret hundred domain. years. Every, <laughs> every hundred years. I, I, I bought back. the 23rd century Fox domain, I bought the 24th century. I won't be around to defend my trademark though. Did it used to be 19th century Fox? <laughs> not go that far back. Oh, that'd be the 1800s. <laughs> there wasn't many movies in the 1800s. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> So we thought we would have a little catch up with Nana, see how she's getting on with planning to buy a property. So we talked a little bit before about how you'd start to think about it and you mentioned partly because you'd lived at home during lockdown. Was that kind of one of the main reasons do you think for why you've chosen now to start looking to buy or is there any other factors? I think so. I know a lot of people aren't saying this isn't probably the best time to buy a house but I just really really want to. I've got no, <laughs> no other explanation really. It's an emotional thing though isn't it? Like, yeah. see, like house prices have been going through the roof and that's that head and heart thing isn't it like your head's going on reading these headlines and it's a terrible time to buy but you just you just really want one yeah and we say this all the time about what's the right financial choice and what's actually your choice are two different things yeah we talked last month about you saying you know you wanted a three-bedroom house because you wanted a dressing room some people would say <laughs> you know it might be better as a starter home to get a smaller house that didn't have a dressing room but actually 
made a choice because that's what you want in life. And well, also, I feel like I'm 20, I'm 25, so I had thought about getting a two-bedroom house, and I said if I'd have been, like, 21, then I think two-bedroom might have been all right then. But I think three's more, it'll last me longer. I think some people like the concept of moving regularly, in which case you would go smaller first, mm. and then some people like the concept of just getting one and none they're going to be in it. I know you said last time, for, like, at least five years, yeah. and you want something that's going to kind of do you for that rather than quickly outgrow it. Yeah. And like Joe said, it's nothing, there isn't a right or wrong, is there? Never. Obviously, there's, like, a wish list, and then there's reality because yeah. people have budgets and limits. Have you looked at how much you can afford to borrow? Have you got an idea in mind of kind of house price? Like which angle have you come at it from? Have you tried to see what's the most you could get? So I've been looking on Rightmove and ClearScore actually have a, a calculation that you can put just the value of a house, the deposit right. you might think you're going to put in to see how much the monthly payments are going to be. Okay. But uh, I think I'm going to go for the um, home equity loan as well. So right. it was, you had to keep working out how much to take off to see how much was it to see how much was going to be left. Right. So it was a bit difficult Fiddling to try and... Yeah. Because um, I guess that's the thing, isn't it, when it comes to house buying, there's the monthly amount that you're paying, but then you still need to, like it could come out, I don't know, £1,000 a month and you think, I can I can pay £1,000 a month, but the mortgage company wouldn't necessarily lend you a mortgage the yeah. size that would need that £1,000. So you've kind of got the two factors. It's what they'll give you, what you can borrow, yeah. but then making sure that the repayments are right. When you've done it, are you looking at the maximum that you can afford to pay each month then? So, or are you kind of coming under and giving yourself a bit of a buffer? No, I'm coming I'm coming a bit, quite a bit under to be fair, because right. I want to make sure I've got like a big buffer. Yeah, mm-hmm. sensible. Yeah, well, she's got a better than me. Allowance. Better than us in our 125% mortgages. <laughs> I'll take it to the maximum and then I'll put another quarter on. Why am I negative equity? What's the opposite of buffer? <laughs> that calculator, I know which one you mean, it's on the bottom of the right move thing, isn't it? Yeah. So it'll say, uh, for this property, you could pay approximately £500 a month. Yeah. Um, have you then kind of gone to another site and done a calculation to see like what you can borrow based on your deposit and your earnings? I can't remember what website it was on. Money market expert? Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, clear score. Yeah. All, all I knew was that the monthly payments would be lower the longer it was. Yeah. So I wasn't bothered about, like, my dad was saying, you don't want a mortgage for, like, 35 years, does it? Yeah, I'm, yeah. I, I think I do. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's fine. Yeah, We've talked about that before because as well, if you go for the longer term and it's the low amount, you can always overpay if you need yeah, to, yeah. but if you do it short, you, you, like you say, it's like the lack of buffer, you're just committing yourself to something. Yeah. And Lots can change. You, you talked last time about fixing it maybe for five years, so you know that you're changing that mortgage. Yeah. And yeah. each time you've got the option to shorten it, so yeah. the first time you get a mortgage, this does not constitute financial advice, but get the longest and <laughs> get the most payment. Yeah. You know, do what you need to do. Um, was there any shocks when you started to look at the um like how much a mortgage would cost or how much you could borrow did you know when you first started looking at properties did you think oh well i assume i'll buy one for like 200 grand oh no i thought i would only be able to afford like 80 grand (laughs) if that it's kind of the opposite i didn't think i'd be able to afford what i think i can now it's almost that kind of once they say okay you can borrow 300,000 you think oh should i borrow 300,000 yeah and were you ever tempted to overspend and get the maximum. I had a look because they're just better, aren't they? When they were just like a little bit more. <laughs> well, that's the danger, like... yeah. Especially on right moving, if you like slide up and you go, well, what yeah. if it was just a little bit extra? And then you see more. the different house, and then you're like, oh, that one's pretty. Yeah. And you'll always compare it to like what you've seen. And if yeah. it's not, if it's like not as good, then if you think, oh, I don't want it, then it's better to just not look really. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you can go the other way. Just start looking at like million pound houses and so. Oh, so how much what is your maximum how much can you get um well i had a look and i'm sure the the like thing people say it's like four times your salary right or three times so it was about about like 120 to 150 150 yeah maybe we should
should have just a cheeky look on Rightroom and see what kind of properties you can get for that money around where we live. Little house, three bedroom detached. Well, do you know what? It's got the garden. Oh, look, that's bedrooms. near where we used to work, Kathy. Oh, yeah. Six bedroom terraced house. For sale. <laughs> six bedroom. Need six bedrooms. Six bedrooms. Room for your shoes. Room for your One hundred and fifty grand. Yeah. You could dress in one and finish dressing in the other. <laughs> <laughs> Good start. I mean, when you were saying you didn't want a project. Yeah. It's a project. That's not ideal. That. It's got blue panelling and pink tiles. I just said orange. Well, I would say disgusting. Yeah. Why is the sink so close to the bath? Yeah. And why have you taken the photograph from on the toilet? Oh my goodness. Oh, we used to have those, the like bricked in fireplace and yeah, then like just wipe like, in the corner. Yeah, on the side and yeah. you put your ornaments uh, on. <laughs> oh, it's oh, pretty dirty. I mean, that's spidery. Yeah. Wow. That is spidery. See, house. you do get a feel, it is spidery. Kathy, really it's a building site, it's spidery. Houses. Yeah. Well, we'll probably mm. put that on the maybe list. Six bedrooms, though. Four bedrooms. That's in the same street. 150 grand, and you've got what? Over four floors, mm -hmm. four bedrooms. Surprised it's only one bathroom, if I'm honest. Yeah, you know, you two reception rooms, recently refitted kitchen, and the big rooms as well. One of the reception rooms is like a lounge. Did your best. grandma used to have a room for nights? And you weren't allowed in. <laughs> yeah. I was never allowed in. And my auntie still has one, and she keeps the um, it's not cellophane, the packaging on the sofa. Oh, no. <laughs> So something like this, like a three bed with a bit of a garden, is that the kind of thing you were Yeah, quite a newish build, looks maybe about 15 years old. Oh, it's nice, that not Oh, it's got a built-in trampoline. That looks all right, that. Is that what that was? <gasps> Go back, look at that. Oh, oh my view pond. No, it's a trampoline. <laughs> so it's quite a long garden with some random furniture, um, and I'm going to describe it as patchy grass. <laughs> um, but there's a built-in trampoline, so you can walk along, you just be like, hi, hi, neighbour, how are you, boy? <laughs> So this has got, what's this one? It's semi-detached, a sunroom, not a conservatory. Fitted kitchen, driveway, cul-de-sac. A cul-de-sac's nice. Yeah, I wouldn't mind a cul-de-sac to be fair, yeah. but I, that kitchen looked quite small. It, it did. did look quite small. Um, do you do a lot of cooking? Yeah, I love is cooking. It, is the kitchen important to you? Yeah, I mean, I obviously you have to have one. <laughs> but would, you, would you like to have a big yeah, like a, like a decent, space. like Yeah, like a comfortable size. Here's something there now. Have you actually ever looked at like the EPCs? No. Energy performance certificates. Uh, I wouldn't know there? what I was looking at, to be funny. Um, so it's how energy efficient your house is. So all properties get them. And when you're selling your property, you have to kind of pay to get one of these done. So it'll factor in things like insulation and um, like the what light bulbs there are, if it's like fitted for LED or halogen or whatever. So on that one, it's got the current rating, which is yellow, so like a D, um, but based on the, that house, and obviously you're not just gonna like re-insulate the walls, but with small tweaks you could make it a B and make it more energy efficient. Oh, right. um, you, you'll have probably moved yours recently. Just done oh, loads to our house. Done loads of refurb. Literally, and in the way that you've been saying how warm you are in your house now, because it's just it's much more energy efficient. Quite sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's interesting because you're one of those who always complain in the office that you called. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so actually that's the kind of thing you should be looking at for when you're looking at houses. So on here, this property is 140,000. It's assuming a 10% deposit. 14,000, yeah. nice work. I'm guessing oh. this is going to be average interest rate at the minute of 2.4% over a 25 year term. It comes out at 559 a month. It's an actually extending it for, for 35 years. years. Took it all the way down to 440, so it's took 100 pound a month though. Yeah. Big difference. Yeah. yeah. And don't know how many people know this or if I'm just teaching people how to suck eggs, but the larger you deposit, usually the better rate you'll get. So yeah. you pay less interest over the term as well. So actually a large deposit over a longer term is usually the best kind of mortgage you can get. 
So speaking of deposits and saving, are you just aiming for the 10%? Is that what um, you'd be thinking? It wasn't more percentage-wise. I was more just aiming for 20 grand was what I just I wanted to put down. And how long have you been saving? Maybe about four years. All right, well done. One and a half. More. One and a half. <laughs> <laughs> more, more, like, focusing in the last two years. Yeah. Did you find it easier in lockdown? I feel people did kind of up their savings game because you couldn't go yeah. anywhere, could you? You couldn't do anything. I mean, I was still buying clothes unnecessarily. <laughs> <laughs> well, even like, things like your nails and your lashes. Yeah. You literally couldn't go and get yeah, well, yeah. Done, you? you couldn't spend money even if you wanted to. So yeah. I was saving with, like, on other things, but I would still be buying clothes because that was the only thing you could do was order clothes and have something to look forward to <laughs> to True. get delivered. Oh, but my saving definitely went up in lockdown. I presume you're just doing like a monthly amount. Do you just not think about it? Do you just kind of have that go out with your salary each month and then that's it, just kind of forget about it? Or do you have to be a bit more proactive with going in and doing savings? No, I literally, I'll put like £200 away in my ISA like every month. I put like another lump sum in, because I've got two bank accounts, so I save all of my house savings into a, a different bank account that I don't touch. Yeah. Then I've also set up a weekly bank transfer. Sorry. I just put in like £30 a week because then it was just adding up. And I'd been doing that for about three years and that saved loads without me even realising it was gone. Yeah. And um, why did you just start with interest, bearing in mind that you get paid monthly to do a weekly savings? Because I would cut down on getting like costas or eating out for lunch and I'd be thinking if I don't spend that then I can just save that. Yeah. And I wouldn't notice it disappearing because it would have gone anywhere. Would have spent it. Oh, really good idea. <laughs> <laughs> See a horse on a podcast. Write this down. <laughs> Some actual tips instead of just us wittering on <laughs> with our cost of course. And our 125% mortgages. <laughs> Um, Shameful. The money that you've saved into the house account, do you ever look at that? Like, do you kind of look at it and see the balance going up and think, like, yeah, I'm getting closer to my goal? Or, like, would you look at it and think, ooh, could go on holiday? Um, so, in that account as well, so I've got, it's with Starlin, and you can make goal, like, spaces within the thing. Right. So, I had, like, a target on that, and then I've got, I was saving, like, stuff for myself. So, I would, I literally haven't touched, like, my house. Right. And I've just been looking at the other. Use the other bits. Yeah. Well, that's good. It's, been, um, yeah. I was thinking this because I've got a Monzo account and it's less exciting, but I put my tax money, I save <laughs> that. Um, but it's the same concept, so you're not setting up loads of separate bank accounts, yeah. but it feels as if you have, and yeah. it just carves them out, doesn't really it? And it just, enough. like, yeah, it does. It, like, separates it from your head and you don't spend it. When you move <laughs> into a new property, do you think you'll still save? Well, when with my budget and spreadsheet, I have budgeted saving <laughs> as well. Oh, good. So I'm, good. Like, I'm hoping to. Like Won't to you spend so. it all at B&M like me? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe in the first few months. <laughs> are you buying me from B&M? Oh, um, my yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, I think they're only 35 good, you know. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Yeah. Um, there's not vinyls, you'll have to get your own vinyls. Yeah. I mean, we're laughing about us not being the best advocates for sensible planning and spending, but you do sound like you've made some really sensible choices, and like, obviously you've been saving over four years, so it's not kind of a last-minute thing, and like you've put the effort in to kind of get to the stage that you're at now where you can look to buy a house. And I know you're saying some of your friends have already bought houses as well. Do you think you've got a more sensible approach to things because you work in finance, or is it is this the kind of stuff that you all talk about like amongst your friends? Like, do people all approach saving and and planning in this way? I think I've always been really good with money anyway. Like, yeah. Just, I don't know, I just always have been. I've always been quite sensible. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> in regards to money. <laughs> um, I don't know if that's particularly because I read things every day like at work and stuff. Yeah. And work's helped me understand that I needed an emergency fund and things like that. Yeah, but, you can only write it out so many yeah, times before you have to take your own advice. <laughs> but saying that, how long have you worked with us? Four years. 
So did oh, you yeah. start kind of as soon as you joined us? Was that when you started saving and just putting some money aside? Yeah, it was, yeah, it was when I finished um, when I finished uni. I just like I wasn't ever aiming to move out like then. I just thought yeah. I'll just start putting a bit away, even if it was like a hundred quid every like three months. Yeah, like yeah, it was just, just something. something. I was just starting. Oh, honestly, yeah. Nina, this has been absolutely insightful and I've been really enjoying looking at <laughs> white movies and I can't wait for next time. Yeah, me too. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. It's time for Squid. Oh, oh come on. <laughs> oh, it's time for Quid Games. Quid Games time. Put your pound jingle with some sort of call to action. <laughs> right, so, I lost the last quid game, I don't know if you recall. So, um, we're down <laughs> nil to love, because <laughs> I haven't done anything yet, but go on. Nil to love. don't know how scoring works either, but go on, let's see if I can get one up. Right, Joe, you know what NFTs? Yes. And you love a meme? Oh, I love a meme. So what What's your favourite meme? Um, you like, oh my god, give me back my fuck story. I do <laughs> like that one. I love that you know my favourite meme. Yeah. So, non-fungible tokens. Non-fungible tokens, as a reminder, Reminder, it's it's a difficult concept to get your head around, but basically you buy the rights to an image, so like a meme or um, a photograph of a painting, um, and it's something that if it belongs in the ether, it's on the internet, and you own the rights to it, but you don't actually get anything tangible for that money. I told you about that one, didn't I, from that model off of the Blurred Lines video? Oh yeah, Emily Thingmajig. Yeah, so she got, somebody was selling her Instagram posts, so then she downloaded it, printed it onto a canvas, stood in front of it, made that a post, turned that into an NFT, and sold wow. it for like thousands of pounds, or like just her own post to like take back her ownership. But as an NFT, I just, I it's don't nuts, really understand it? it. Yeah. So what we're gonna do is have a look at some NFTs, a bit like the Christmas turkey game that we did. We'll start off with the price and then you have to guess higher um, or lower. I want to point out that the game was about Christmas turkeys, it was not a turkey of a game. Excellent point. So let's start with some NFTs of some famous memes. <laughs> um, so there's these two. So Disaster Girl, uh, for yeah. people who are listening. It's the like creepy the girl sat in front of the burning, um, house, burning house. Yeah. Giving a little side eye. So the NFT of that meme, how much do you think it sold Thousand pound. A little bit higher. Ten thousand pound. Four hundred and one thousand seven hundred and eighteen dollars. Oh, yeah, dollars. And um, the end of escape to the country. They have a disclaimer that says prices are correct as of two thousand and six. Mm-hmm. As has been pointed out, cryptocurrency fluctuates quite a lot. So you know it mightn't be the same now because it just like changes it within the hour. So if they fluctuate, I might still be right. <laughs> 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 what I'm reading here is still right. Um, I actually don't know this meme. Overly um, attached girlfriend. Oh, yeah, the girl with the crazy eyes, the big eyes. Yeah, yeah. I've never heard of her. Because you are her. <laughs> <laughs> if it's a, fr- a friend group and you don't know who the crazy eyed ex girlfriend oh, yeah. is, it's you. No, that's legit. <laughs> what do you think? So, $401,000 for. Um, I think girl. lower. It's a little bit higher, $417,000, oh. $299. So, $400,000 is insane. However, like, it's a famous picture, isn't it? Like, mm. it's. I don't want to say it's exactly the same, but in terms of like the Mona Lisa, it's a famous picture. You can see it and recognise it. We can say the crazy girl in front of the burning house. People, and people listening will know yeah, it. Yeah. So what price? What price knowledge? <laughs> um, well, this is the thing How about NFTs. It? it is difficult to price, and I can still download that image. I mean, we literally have downloaded it. Right. So higher or lower than these? Mm-hmm. The New York Times published an article called "Buy This Column on the Blockchain." 
the, explain the phenomenon of it, mm -hmm. but then turn that column into an NFT. Smooth. I mean, it's... <laughs> Meta. I enjoy so, it. the NFT of a column about NFTs, mm -hmm. higher or lower than the 400,000? 400, 400, I'm going to go higher. It is. I think because they're actually talking about the concept and you need to understand the concept to buy it. $555,000. Like over half no. a million dollars for no. an NFT of a no. column about I an NFT. I regret it now. <laughs> what else do you think you could sell? Like, I just think it's that. It's anything. It's like, okay, you have the right to my finger. You don't get to have it, or you, but you can look finger. at it if you want. Um, it's, it's, well, you know, I, I do like to say what I say um, when I was genuinely looking at my own finger. It's not a real thing. I think you could sell anything. It's not a real thing. It's absolutely not. There's that column, by the way. Got a little picture of a hand and a 1990s work Clip art. <laughs> nice. So um, I actually heard about this one. So Jack Dorsey, the Twitter founder, sold yeah. his first tweet. Yeah. Which, again, which was like something like, there. hello, Twitter or something, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. And it's literally sold us up there, but he sold mm. it as an NFT. Um, higher or lower than the half a million dollars for the article. Oh, um, higher, 2.9 million. Who bought it? Somebody with far too much money. I How are you paying like three million dollars? For nothing. For nothing. And um, well it's interesting because over the summer Newcastle United got bought by somebody who was like billions. Um, and it turned out they'd spent like something like five hundred million on a fake Van Gogh painting or a fake Rembrandt. Even though they knew it was fake, they still just spent when you've got that much money, a few million dollars is nothing. It's not depressing. Yeah, it's horrific. So there's <laughs> the Bored Ape Yacht Club. Bear with me. A group of four friends have designed and are selling NFTs of funky looking apes. Here's some Aww. funky looking apes. They Can are very funky. Oh, I like that one. They have, um, <laughs> which one? The one that looks like he's a leather fetish <laughs> ape. Um, there's one that looks like a very sad Popeye. There's one that looks like a dead aviator for no apparent reason dressed as a caveman. Um, and there's somebody with rainbow teeth. Like um, a leopard print. They're apes, but a lot of them are leopard print, interestingly. And then one wearing a skeleton and I believe what the children call a snapback cap. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, these are all being sold separately. Is their cheapest ape higher or lower than the $2.9 million for... Higher. Lower. Yeah. $208,000 still, yeah. but they've got 10000 in total to sell, so 10000 times mm. 208000 for drawing pictures and turning it into an NFT. Why are we not drawing things and turning it into um, an NFT? Because the, same the, an NFT? because the same thing as the Christmas song is that we can't draw, oh, yeah. like we can't sing, so yeah. it's that. Have what can we do? talent that we can turn into an NFT? No fucking <laughs> talent. <laughs> That's all we've got. Oh, oh. Oh, puns. Right. I'm doing a bit rubbish at this game, aren't I? So, one grey pixel. Um, but what's it a pixel of? Um, a literal one by one grey pixel, the most basic unit of a digital image. Just one grey pixel. Higher or lower than 208,000? Yeah. Higher. Yeah. One grey pixel, it's not even a good grey. It's not even 50 shades of it. It's not just actually. one shade of grey for how much? A 90 minute bidding war broke out over it. $1.35 million. People are fools. <laughs> Higher or lower than the $1.35 million is this. We're going to have to put these images on the website, aren't we? Because that looks like lots of tiny little pixels of different photographs of people. Are these all NFTs? This NFT, which is people, and the title of it is Every Day is the First 5,000 Days. And yeah, it does seem to be made up of lots and lots and lots of different smaller ones. Mm -hmm. So more or less than... I the, don't know what it is. Explain what Beeple is. Beeple's the artist. You know, like Banksy. Oh, oh right. Okay, I've never heard of Beeple. Is he know. quite famous? Uh, in the is it a he world? boy? I mean, hero girl. It's a he. <laughs> Okay. So lots of lots of tiny little tiny pixelised um, pictures. Yeah, more or less than the grey pixel, which was one point three five million dollars. More. Here's more. Sixty nine million dollars. 
What? For an NFT of that. You can't even see anything. You can't make one image out. I mean, it's, it's printed one of out on our printer. Uh, might be different. Oh, yeah, I'll okay. show you a picture of him. You know, like, you know, like Banksy, like cool artist guy, $69 million in NFTs. <laughs> oh, no. He's an accountant. <laughs> oh, he is. $69 million for doing that. That's absolutely not. What a beeper. Um, we've actually got, we've secured a really nice guest, um, Hannah Phillips, who works in the old TV world, because you know, we know everything about TV, we're going to ask her about Squid Games, and she's going to tell us a little bit about her own financial journey and um, the career path that she's chosen. Well, hi Hannah, thank you for joining us on our podcast. Would you like to start by telling us a little bit about you, where you are in life and your career? <laughs> Yeah, no problem. So, uh, yeah, my name's Hannah. I am 25. I had to think about that then. Forgot my age. That's a good start. So, I am freelance in um, the TV and media production industry. Um, I was working full time and then got made redundant during the COVID summer. So then, yeah, I had to go freelance from there. It, what is it that you actually do in TV and production media? I bet there's a nation of jobs. Yeah. yeah, it just depends what people want. The industry's so big, even like I didn't know until I went into it, like how many jobs there really is and like what paths they all lead down and everything else. So I started off being a researcher, for like a really small independent company. So I did everything from sort of like locations, sorting out paperwork, sorting out scripts. I've done a bit of casting. That was quite fun. So that was just primarily just sitting and chatting to people. Casting work. So what do you think? Do you think I could be a leading lady? <laughs> Depends what kind of show you want to go on, really, doesn't it? Honestly, I'm so arrogant when I've just had my hair cut. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's awesome. I it depends what show you want to go on. Yeah, I was thinking probably, like, I don't know. Hawks, lost in New York. It's like a Home Alone, um, Lord of the Rings. Um, I'd trademark that one now, I would. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I won't write it down. Um, and you're on North East based, aren't you? The same as us. Like, is there even stuff going on here up in the North East? Do you have to be in London for things a lot? Like, how, how have you found it? When I was full-time, I was at a production company based in Sunderland, which is where I am. But yeah, no, without sounding awful, because I know a lot of people, like, haven't had a good time with COVID and everything else. It's, no, it's not been a pleasure for anyone. But I'm um, actually, like, for work, had quite a good impact because... A lot of the jobs that I wouldn't have necessarily got being based in the northeast have become work from home, remote, like a lot of Zoom and stuff like that. So like I've been working for companies that are based in like London and Manchester and I've like not had to relocate, which has been quite nice. And um, there's not like loads going on in the northeast necessarily, but in summer um, I did Geordie Shaw. So that was uh, quite an experience. So yeah, the, the, there's bits and bobs. Oh, so that's good. So it's actually been helpful in that way. I think we've seen that a lot, haven't we, in all industries where a lot of those jobs became remote and people could work from home and I think it'll have a huge impact on the economy yeah and it works all the way around as well doesn't it because obviously it gives you the opportunities that you maybe otherwise wouldn't have and then as for businesses it gives them the ability to tap into amazing northern quality yeah absolutely no yeah I do think it does work both ways I think I think if I moved down there it would be harder to get a job because there's simply so many people looking for the same thing down there yes there's more jobs but there is so many more people um, so COVID's obviously been the catalyst for you going freelance. Do you think you would have made that decision if COVID hadn't come along and you hadn't been made redundant? The ind- a lot of the industry is freelance. So I think you're lucky if you get a contract. Uh, since leaving, I had four weeks on Geordie Shaw and that's sort of been my longest contract. A lot of it's been 
day where I call like a few weeks here and there. I don't know if I quite would have made that leap as early as I did, but I think it would have been something eventually that I would have spoken to enough people and they would have gone like, look, this is the way it works. It's not a long-term sort of job at all, which comes with pros and cons. I'm sort of really glad that I'd managed to jump on Geordie Shore first though, because I feel like I made so many contacts off that and made, had such such a great experience, met so many people because a lot of this industry is networking. Everything's about chatting to people, getting to know people, making a good first impression and then hopefully they'll sort of like pass you on to your next job and your next job and whatever. But um, but yeah, no, I think it's it's hard to get something sort of full-time unless you want to, or long contracts, unless you want to go into sort of like soaps or dramas or something like that. So those kind of pros and cons that obviously come with it, how have you found it? Because the thought for some people listening of having work that's only a few days or a couple of weeks at a time would be absolutely terrifying. Like, do you find it nerve-wracking or is it something that you've got used to? The, the longer you go on and the more people you meet, hopefully the idea is the more jobs you can get, it's easier to get jobs, more people know you. So starting out is really hard. The, the pay is quite good and that sort of like balances out I mean totally depends on what job you do and what role you are and whatever else but yeah when I sort of first started I was like oh I'm earning all this money like it's great let's go and spend it all and then suddenly you realize that it doesn't just have to last you for that four weeks you're on that job or that week you're on it it's then got to last you for the weeks and weeks or however long it takes after for you to get another job so I think that was sort of like an error on my part at first where I was like yes I'm earning loads of money let's go and like be balling and stuff. You know what though I think you get that with people uh, there is actually a term isn't there about being paid a rich and you can just go out and have the best weekend of your life and then you know you just live on toast for the rest of the uh, <laughs> yeah but you live on toast knowing you only have to live on toast until like till 28 yeah, yeah exactly whereas you, you have no idea how long yours would like how do you find sort of managing your money and budgeting now because can you go the other way and think right I actually don't know what will happen after this contract and I won't spend money and I can't make plans and like it's almost you can't overspend but then if you underspend you kind of not getting to live your life either yeah it's, I, I think it is quite a hard balance I mean I, I don't think I've sort of like managed it yet like I just booked all these things before I and had to go freelance as well so I just thought oh well I've got a salary I know what I'm doing it's fine I'm going on holiday with one of my friends we're going to New York for a week and yep. then I'm doing cream fields at the end of the year booked it all and then suddenly I'm now like one I don't have the money for it and two do I even have the time to take off because if a contract comes along that's three weeks long four weeks long you kind of accept it on the premise that I can only work half of it. Like you've got to work what the contract is. So do I turn down work to go on all these things or do I just like be poor? I don't know what the option is. Selling freelancing. <laughs> What's some of the pros then? What's the stuff that you do like? Oh, honestly, as much as the money is a struggle, just the experiences I've had and not knowing what's around the corner is just so exciting. Like I went from working on Geordie Shaw and then I did a bit of casting for a hoarding documentary um, that's on the Really channel. Yeah, I've, I've done such random things. I'm working on um, a documentary for Channel 4 about um, the Duchess of um, Northumberland and Annick Castle. So, like, the fact that I can wake up one day and be like, I start a new job next week and it's on something different and just the, the change all the time between, like, what I'm doing is so exciting. I just love the thrill of changing, of, of not being in a set. I think... I'm not one to settle and I don't think I could stay somewhere long term. I'm all for 
changing up what I'm doing and stuff. So that's a really, really nice thing about it. You know what? So I do think it's what we always say in when you really enjoy your job and you've got a real passion for it. It's not like work at all, is it? So to you, it's you've gone on a new four-week adventure. You've gone from Geordie Shore to meeting the Duchess of Northumberland. I bet you mix them up. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you do. They're just the Duchess getting a tash on. I've never that before and I don't actually know what it means. I don't know if it's sexual or not. <laughs> um, um, but it is. It's a huge adventure, isn't it? And it's exciting. And if that's the kind of thing that you really enjoy it's almost like you're getting paid when you do get paid it's a bonus because yeah. you're enjoying it anyway yeah and like the experiences that I've had there's been some some times where I've just like taken a step back and gone like this is so strange that this is just my life and this is what I get to do the, the last shoot I did at Nick Castle we got to drive in because we parked like in the castle itself because it shuts the public now and when we were driving out it was like sunset over the castle and we just like had this really nice day and I just looked out the window and I was like this is like there's so many like closed door things where you say to people, I've done that or I've been there or, and that's only sort of within the first six months of me being at work. So I mean, what's to come? Like, I have no idea, but I do have like pinch me moments like quite regularly. Oh, which is lovely, isn't it? It's exactly what people should work for. You should always work within your, your dream. Oh, sorry, I got distracted by the snoring. Um, just while you were getting all excited and talking about all your like passions and all the stuff that you really enjoy, um, I'm just going to be a killjoy and bring it back around to finance. Um, and obviously when you're employed, you've got kind of, you've got the regular income that we were talking about. Your employer normally has um, a pension scheme and you've kind of got all of these things that are done and set. With your structure now, like how, how do you manage it? Are you worried about all those extra benefits that you don't get because you're freelance? Because I am still, after all this time, horrendous at doing any kind of tax return or anything that's not kind of automated. Like how do you... <laughs> it's only taken me 13 years so far and so on. And so how's, what's your experience? How do you find it? Um, yeah, so there's definitely things that I didn't necessarily think about when I started being freelance. So although I am freelance, some companies do still go through like EAYE and stuff. So sometimes I'm still in the books as, as short term as it is. It, I think it's easy for them and easier for me. So like a new P45 every week. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. I've just got to like bring up, bring up the tax people and be like, hi, just me again. Like, yeah, a new job. <laughs> thanks. Cancel yeah. that one. They've probably got me on like speed dial or something. I can't his hair again so anyone else want to take it. <laughs> There's a lot that I didn't like necessarily think about that I've only started thinking about since I decided to do this. So things like getting a mortgage, I didn't realise how hard it'd be. And I've been speaking to people about it. When you don't have three years of history you need, that like I hadn't thought about any of this since I started chatting to people because my friends now are starting to think about buying or I've got friends that have bought or whatever. So things like looking to the future is definitely not going to be easy I don't think um being freelance <laughs> to be fair one of our friends Holly her boyfriend is cameraman and he's in a very similar position where mm. he just works on projects and they've just got a really good mortgage so it is possible um, yeah the specialists the specialist lenders that understand it and I think it's in the same way as having an earned income shows that you're employable like actually if you've got regular contracts and it's showing that you're able to pick up work so yeah it's not as straightforward but not impossible either it's doable do you do any other kind of work do you have a side hustle so yeah so when I was 16 and um, I used to be a trampolinist as a child oh. um, so... <laughs> we so boring. So boring. <laughs> yeah so when I became old enough to coach I did like my coaching qualifications and stuff like that so throughout uni that sort of allowed me to have some extra spending money by coaching trampoline and gymnastics and cheerleading so I still do that now occasionally 
it's hard because it's not a job that you can do sort of coaching children and coaching in schools and things like that just take on and drop as and when you want because I know like a lot of people that are freelance or that work in the tv industry work in cafes and shops in between to make ends meet but luckily I've got a really good relationship with my boss I've been working there for like six years now so he is really good with me and like I still coach like adult classes around if you met somebody wanting to get into that industry for example what would be your one piece of advice I think it'd probably just be be brave and speak to people because the whole industry is based on making a good first impression, making that lasting relationship so that you can call back on people in a couple of months time and be like, hey, look, my contract's coming to an end with whatever I'm doing. Like, do you know of anyone that's that's employing? So I think just being brave and like getting out there and speaking to people, like not being afraid to just make that first step. Obviously, you you weren't planning on going freelance when you did, but now if you kind of look back in hindsight and you'd actively chose, you didn't get made redundant, you thought, what I want to do is go freelance. Is there anything you would have done at that point different or do you think it almost worked better that you were just thrown straight in? I think I would have like been dipping my toe in for ages and like thinking about doing it. But when you've got like a regular income and when you know what you're doing, it's so easy to sort of like settle in and be like, oh, well, I'm here for however long I'm here for. Now I think I did need something to sort of give me that kick to do it in the first place. Um, Do you think it would have had an impact on your decision if, for example, you had a mortgage or if you had kids or were a bit older? Do you think it was just the right time for you? I know a lot of people that are in the industry that are freelance that do have families and, and make it work, especially if you've got a partner or someone that works alongside you that's got a steady job as well. I mean, that always helps. But um, I think especially your freelance entry rules, you run a job, so you're casting sort of researcher roles and easier to do I'd maybe say when you're younger and you have like less responsibilities and to think about I mean if we all had millionaire benefactors and put all that would help wouldn't it yeah. this duchess she's single <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you Hannah um, last question have you got any one like really interesting or really juicy story from anything that you've worked on ooh I'm trying to think what I'd be able to say if it needs cutting out we can cut it out but yeah, like when I was working in a long time, we'd stayed at the end of, of one of our shoots and the most bizarre and we carried on the conversation. I didn't think anything of it. And the next thing I know, there's like someone stood next to me. And this is just what you do. Perched on like random pieces of furniture and like passed me a on a silver tray. Do you feel like every time you get a gin, it's a disappointment? (laughs) (laughs) She was just waiting for you to leave. There's there's been some stories so far. That has been so helpful. Really, listen, thank you. So I think it was always the second draft for making this sound far better than it actually was IRL. Again, thank you to Nana for letting us um, join her on her house purchase journey. Um, really looking forward to seeing how that goes out. Um, and thank you very much again to Hannah Phillips for letting us probe into her life also. Um, thanks for marketing, pulling everything together. A little cheeky brand refresh, getting yep. everything up there and shiny. See you next week. <laughs> I'm really, really, really sorry to do this. I'm going to have to ring him. Michael, I think he'll know. (laughs) I think he'll... Hiya, Mike. Sorry, I'm just in the middle of the podcast, but quick question. You know when you do, like, first footing on New Year? Yeah, say aye. What's the rhyme that you say? 
Like, have you heard this thing where it says, like, Happy New Year, bottles of stir, please can I have my Christmas gift? Please can I have a New Year's gift? Like that. See, yeah, but, like, what is a bottle of stir? Bottles, bottles are stirs, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Bottles are stirs, bottles are stirs, isn't it? What's a, what's a bottle of stir? Not a bottle of stir, like, Something's a stir, it's like... Oh, like, like something's a foot, like Sherlock. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> right, thank you. Bye.